lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share our intimate details in an effort to improve sex lives everywhere. And my guest today I am very excited to introduce to you is Wes. Welcome, Wes. Hi. Will you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Wes. I'm early 30s, white, cisgender, straight, male. I don't know. You don't need to make that face when you say it. (laughs) I don't know. Enough people have... uh... All stories are valid. (laughs) All stories are valid. I work for a government agency. (laughs) Standard boring life, in my opinion, but I like it that way. And can you say what part of the country you're from? The Midwest. Awesome. Will you take us back? When do you remember first hearing about sex? I think I saw more about it than I heard about it at first. Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) So when I was a little kid, probably like four, maybe five, I actually, I was a snoopy little child. And I found my dad's porno mags. Where did you find them? (laughs) They were just stashed underneath the, the side of his bed. How they, many were there? Was oh, there like was a, a stack. stack. There was like, I mean, there was like 10, 15. And there were good ones, too. Like, looking back now, I'm like, oh, I started with some high-quality stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but it was weird because I, I distinctly remember feeling funny. Mm-hmm. Like, strange feelings kind of in the pit of my stomach, but I had no idea what any of it was. Mm-hmm. So I kind of... I had seen it before I knew what it was. That's very interesting. It, it's a, Can it, you recall any of the specific images? Like, is, is there anything burned into your brain? Or is oh, it just there's like, plenty naked? burned into my brain. Can you share um, any of them? Oh, man. So, there were some hardcore elements to it. Okay. Some just random lesbian porn. Some of it was just, hey, look, there's my first boobs that I've ever seen. You know, (laughs) and when you're when you're a little boy, you have no idea why you you feel funny looking at this stuff. So when did you eventually kind of put the pieces together? Uh, (laughs) let's see, probably about six or seven. Pretty soon after that, just because I was curious, I would ask questions. I think my next major milestone in that curiosity was uh, we had just gotten a family computer. It came bundled with Encarta. 97 had a built-in encyclopedia and oh my gosh the keywords you could search on that and learn things and see oh, things interesting so, wait so, so you learned about sex from a computer from, from a computer and it wasn't born yes yet. and you were probably <laughs> one of the first kids to like be able to do I that may have been yeah it was kind of an interesting thing and it was like i knew the nuts and bolts and the details of sex before i had any concept of what it meant mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what it felt like, you know, any of that. So it was it was kind of a fun, fun experience, a weird childhood for me. How were your parents sex-wise? Like, did they talk about it? Did you get a talk? My parents were, they weren't, like, super open about it, but I did get a, an occasional talk here and there. My mom actually did most of the talking. I think she was a bit more open than my dad was okay. about it. Do you have siblings, older, younger siblings? Uh, I have an older sister. Okay. And I remember my mom sitting me down one time. I think it was about the time I got my you know, first girlfriend or something really started showing interest. And she sat me down and she's like, okay, so you're going to start getting interested in this. And all I want to tell you is that you can come and ask me any question you want. That's sweet. Um, you know, feel free to, you know, if you need to get your girlfriend on birth control, Come and tell me. Okay. You That's know, fairly to the point, progressive. And also, like, 
use a condom. Yeah. And like she she never once had an inkling that I wasn't going to be headed straight towards this like a heat sinking missile. Like she's like he's going uh, for it. Yeah. No. How old were you at the time? Do you remember? Uh probably ten to eleven. Okay. There. So you're still very young. Yeah, I'm still really young. I mean That's we'll cute. get in, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but I had sex for the first time when I was thirteen. Okay. Um which back then was pretty early. Most yeah. of my friends in my age group, you know, probably average like sixteen or mm-hmm. seventeen. Mm-hmm. So I was I was ahead of the game. So were you touching yourself before then? Uh yeah, probably a couple of years before then. Probably about the same time my mom talked to me is probably Okay. <laughs> something along those lines. She's so like, you oh. saw the porn magazines, learned about sex from a computer and didn't touch yourself until oh yeah, because I guess a computer isn't gonna be like, here's how to masturbate. Yeah. <laughs> when you look up sex. Like it, I just, I don't know, it wasn't a drive. I didn't really know about it. And then shortly after the Encarta days, we got internet. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the very first internet passed. Most everybody I knew was actually on the AOL Instant. browser and oh, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and and we were outside of that ecosystem, so I got to see everything that happened. Oh, interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, I very quickly, I think I found... I think I probably looked at my first porn in 10, 11, probably mm-hmm. around that time. How did you find it? Did you ask Jeeves? Uh, it might have been Jeeves. <laughs> it would have been something strange like that. But I do remember finding it and finding it well and and really quickly gravitating towards certain things. Can certain you talk genres. about what they were? Yeah. So, you know, back then you didn't watch videos as much because it just took forever for it to load on dialogue. And then it wasn't even, yeah. like, it, they could be really like, It was them. pixelated, yeah. were terrible, like these tiny awful. You're like, I think that's a penis. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that nipple is Instagram safe. <laughs> it's a blurry nipple. Uh, it's still a nipple. <laughs> but I very quickly gravitated more towards written stories and erotica mm. um, just because there was a vast yeah. library of different things to think about. And so I... You know, it's it's weird for me. People, you know, occasionally you'll get that conversation of, what are your kinks? And I'm like, all of them? I'm like, Ooh. I've looked at all of the things and I've, I've seen all the different things. And I'm like, that would be fun. That would be fun. I'm into that. And so I don't know if it's because I got such an early start at it that mm-hmm. I kind of didn't really have things that really came to mind when I was like 16 and 17 and upwards of that. But. Yeah, it was just kind of a, I'd seen and and thought of a lot by the time I ever got to my mid-teens. Yeah. As I'm hearing you talk, I'm not hearing any influences of sexual shame yet. Did you experience any? Or Because um, I think part of the reason I'm so open is I didn't have any. So I, I didn't really, I, I still don't. A little bit, just I mean, because cultural stuff. Yeah, there's still the cultural sure. stuff that's like you hide this. We yeah, don't yeah, talk yeah. about this. Yeah. But no, I didn't really grow up religious. I got into that world a little bit in high school and early college, but not enough to really ever feel guilty about it. Totally. And by that point in time, I was already well Doing past it. home base, <laughs> you know. And uh, and well it's past like you, home base. What does that yeah, mean? Well, yeah. many home runs. <laughs> yeah, I, there had been. You know, many girlfriends mm-hmm. and a lot of experiences that weren't, I don't know, I guess in a way you can't put the genie back in the bottle. You know, no. you could you could really, really get into this religion, but you, 
you're already breaking that rule yeah. that yeah. you can't unbreak. Yeah. So I just never fully got that side of it. I mean, people try. <laughs> <laughs> there was always the people that are like, what you're doing is wrong. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay, well, yeah. feels good. Yeah. So I do want to hear about your early experiences touching yourself. What a weird way to say that. Is there anything noteworthy to say around your masturbation discovery? So, <laughs> I guess the only noteworthy thing is that, like, all of the boys in my neighborhood figured it out at, like, the same time. How do Be- you know? Did they talk about because it? Because we all told each other. <laughs> You're just like, so, at, like, somebody's like, sleepover oh or gosh. school? Like, or, like where? hanging out. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was, it was always like, oh, my God. Have you, <laughs> you know, Who the, started it, the though? Do you remember? Uh, it actually wasn't me, okay. surprisingly. Okay. It was someone else. And then it quickly spread like wildfire. And then, you know. Always I s- talking about things openly. Yeah. I yeah, love it. It used to happen. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I kid, my guess is there's an era there that I was maybe one of the last members of that I remember seeing my first actual porno on a TV. Mm. And it was in a room with six other boys and someone had oh, found yeah. a vhs and we were like oh my god let's all go watch porn and then awkwardly leave <laughs> <laughs> and and so I, I think there's a lot more of that story out there in the world like every nobody sees their their first porn anymore on a vhs obviously, no, or no, even it's, dvd it's, it's usually like, a phone here's the internet. Yeah, gosh, <laughs> smartphones yeah if i had a smartphone when i was a kid i would have just been trouble i mean pure trouble oh yeah i mean i'm i'm surprised i sounds, survived this i was long. gonna say it sounds like you didn't do too bad without a phone no, i made it will you take us to your sexual debut all right so first time well i there were a few fooling around occasions with other girls just kind of summer break fling kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm 12 at this point in time, so it's not like it's not like you're other than, anything other than can I touch your boobs? You know, <laughs> yeah, there's that's really the extent of your erotic self at that point. Then the next summer, there was a girl that was really, really aggressive. For a 13-year-old girl. Okay. And in the course of one afternoon, I had my first kiss, my first blowjob, my first experience eating a pussy, and lost my virginity all over the course of about three hours. Whoa. And it was like, whoa, that happened. And it, it was just kind of, it wasn't planned. It was just sort of, we were hanging out and... We went back over to her place, and things went down well before I was even ready for that. How did that affect you? It was, in a way, kind of nice because it was like, okay, I got all the stuff out of the way. I don't have to have the anxiety that everybody else is going to have of like, oh, my gosh, I want to do this. Yeah. You know, I already did it. I checked off that box. That was like- so now I could pursue it in the ways that I wanted to. Yeah. And be a little bit more... You know, use that knowledge base that I had developed as a kid. Yeah. Uh, strangely enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did your thirteen-year-old self contextualize that? Like, what did he? I don't know. I would not have known what to do with sex at thirteen, even though I was very and, horny. Like, I just didn't even fully. And I didn't really. That mm-hmm. was the thing. She led. Mm-hmm. She led heavily, mm-hmm. and and so I didn't 
Yeah, I really didn't know. Was she your age ish? Yeah. Okay. She was in. She was in my class. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was. You know, in hindsight, mistakes were made, but you know, at the same time, it was a good time. Yeah. So it was. It was. Uh, you know, it was kind of strange. It was like, oh my gosh, I just did that. Did you tell your boyfriends? I mean, your boy, your guy your friends. Guy friends? No. No. At that point in time, the door actually, for the first time, that was actually when the door shut. When you realized how, you know, it kind of feels like you realized how vulnerable of a situation this is and you, you know, you have somebody else's feelings and reputation on the line. And so you, you kind of close down a little bit. Especially at that age. You know, obviously you don't close down with the girls, but with the other guys, they became competition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they're officially now, we're not friends, we're both out for this <laughs> yeah that's um, so interesting and you know that was about the time it kind of kind of closed in a little bit and it didn't didn't really open back up until shoot maybe a few years ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot happened in between that okay well let's go through some of it <laughs> what oh gosh where it sounds like you have so many stories i don't even know where uh, to start asking you a million questions like I, notable high school things like or we can just dive into so Give us the overview. <laughs> so in high school, it was more of a it was more of a fool around thing. I didn't really have as much like actual penis and vagina sex, which is the only thing people cared about back then. Was it and more or less? I was so not. I was going to say on the front lines. What does that mean? I like was, <laughs> I was not cool in high school, okay. and just it wasn't available to. I mean, it probably was, but I missed it. Like my trying was so. It's like. If the target was there, I'm over looking over there. I don't know. It's... Yeah, and it, I don't know. When I was in high school, I was I was very approachable, mm-hmm. and I was a little bit more popular, but not like super popular. Mm-hmm. It was enough that I don't know. A lot of a lot of girls felt safe with me. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of got sort of a reputation as a quote unquote training dick. And no, I, I literally had high school girls referring me to their friends. How did that make you feel? Uh, I mean, at the time, awesome. Okay, okay. <laughs> it feels super cool. Great. Um, it was like this secret that I had, and I didn't talk about it, and I think that was probably part of the, my success. Even better, yeah. yeah. Was, was like, I didn't kiss and tell. That's I, wonderful. I took all of my, my conquests, and I kept them to myself. Well, I do think that's important, especially in high school. That's the age at which a lot of, particularly women, get shamed. Yeah. Boys do. But it's like, that's such a tender age where I could never have been like, yeah, I do like that boy. I was I was still in the phase of like, shh, don't tell him. And there was a, there was a period in which, like, the more, and I think this might have contributed to me kind of being a little bit more religious during that time. There was a time in which a lot of a lot of girls that were pursuing me in a way, mm. they were the more religious, shamed, churchy girls that yep. wanted to figure out what it was like yeah. with somebody who was safe. Yeah. Who wouldn't talk about it, who had other, you know, reputation things on the line so that they could work it out. Like I, I developed a small following at a different school. They started talking about me at what? another school. That's yes. amazing. And I just want to pause here and just point out how sexy safety is. Yeah. It's very sexy. It is so sexy when you feel safe 
because then you can just fucking relax and enjoy yourself and focus on what whatever you're trying to do with that person. Oh my gosh, when someone's in their own head, I can just spot it. I can spot it from across the room. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. I've always had a, a habit of wanting to go and talk to them and mm-hmm. be like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that may have been my personality that just got me into some amazing times. I looked up his birth chart info right before we started, but I didn't do a deep dive. So now I want to go back and look at all your sensitive bits. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> so in high school, like towards the back half of sophomore year into junior year, I got into my first long-term relationship. Okay. I mean, it was nine months total, but at the time it was, it was significant. And it yeah. was passionate, but it never, like, we didn't end up having sex. Mm-hmm. We fooled around a little bit but not much and it wasn't really wasn't the draw for me it wasn't the thing that made you know my early relationship work you know i see a lot of people now that are really kind of driven by the sexual side of a relationship first and then they develop the emotional side i'm pointing at myself with two fingers That's something I've been wondering about a lot lately, so I would actually love to, like, think this out with you. So, I I was the opposite. I I liked the relationship. I liked the chase of it. Yeah. I liked um, getting to know someone emotionally as a person before I really got to know their body, you know, for a sense. Did that ever backfire on you? Or were you young enough that you didn't have, like... I was young enough. I mean, nothing nothing backfires really too much in high school. That's such a good point. You, like, have this resilience. I mean, or some people. I had a resilience. Yeah, Mm. you have have the ability to change who you are every week, and nobody is going to really fault you for it. You know, it's the time in which you get to do a lot of exploring of, like, who do I want to be as an adult? As my very first step into adulthood, who am I? You know, you get four years in high school to really kind of decide how you're going to make that first step and which direction you might go. Um, So I don't know, for me, long-term relationships were more, more about the emotional side of things and the physical side supported that, you know, Mm -hmm, the the sex was great. It was still an 18 year old at that point, 15, 16 year old boy. I'm still so curious. Okay. I want to talk about this in the context of your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you notice a shift when you moved into adulthood in terms of your priorities when it came to, like, emotional connection versus sex? Or was it kind of side by side? Or was um, it? Yeah. And, and I would say it it's a lot slower paced than it might seem. Like, that teenage hornball phase mm-hmm. carries well into your early 20s mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. at least. And, and from the people I've talked to, you know, that, that seems to kind of fit the general you. And then you kind of slow down after about 25. You're looking for different things. And then going into your 30s, it feels like you spent five years looking for something other than sex. And so it flips suddenly. Mm. And a lot of people suddenly get very curious about their sexuality when they hit like 30. Yeah. You know, they're getting through that. Am I going to have kids phase or am I what's going on? Am I getting married? Am I, you know. And they're getting through that, and they go, I don't even know myself. Well, that's what I'm wondering about. (laughs) And how do you, like, okay, so how long have you been with your partner? Uh, So we've been together 16 and a half years. Okay. And we've been married for eight and a half. Okay. So we dated for eight years. She was my second long-term girlfriend. Okay, because I was going to say, wait, math. Yeah, I know. So, um, 
Uh, yeah, we met. <laughs> met. Um, we met each other while I was still dating my ex. My ex broke up with me the week before a school dance. Oh. And so someone actually set me up with my now wife. Mm -hmm. Set me up then as kind of just a rebound date. And she was dating somebody else at the time at a different school. Mm -hmm. And we went to this dance just kind of as friends. And then, you know, I drove her home and we parked and sat in her driveway and talked for three hours Whoa. until her dad came out and was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> We're just talking. Like, and it really kind of set in motion, like a whole different way of seeing like relationships for me. Like the chase was back on. And shortly after she broke up with her boyfriend, we got together like a week later after I told her, please don't do this. I really don't want to be responsible yeah. for breaking up anybody. And, and instead that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to work through that, but we, we still took it slow. Okay. She was, she was definitely raised a little bit more religious. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't really a like third date. Let's get it on. I don't think we even kissed for like a, few weeks mm -hmm. and then we just really took it slow i mean eventually i think it was like you know we had sex for the first time like six months in mm -hmm. and it's it's a different pace than i think a lot of people experience now mm -hmm. and i think that's a huge difference in how mm -hmm. i structure relationships in the sense of it's not built upon this foundation of sexual attraction mm -hmm. so much as in this emotional attraction and the sex just adds to that and sometimes it's a reflection of that sometimes the sex carries the relationship you're fighting and you have makeup sex oh my god makeup sex is great oh will you talk about that because i never really i'm trying to think if i have really had that i haven't had enough big relationships i've got like i've had like get back together sex but yeah. it was like i mean it, it's kind of that way but it's more of a like it's the official end of a fight mm. and it feels like the celebrating the end of the fight. And you know that once you're done with that makeup sex, you're just going to take your first breath and go, okay, that's behind us. You know, it might still be Do an issue. It really is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It might still be something you have to, you might still need to communicate about, but the fight is over. You know, the actual argument mm. is done. You might still be tense about it, but you're not you're not at each other's throats about it. Are you a person that can have sex when you're still mad? Because I know some people have like uh, angry sex, and I, I couldn't do that. I, I don't, don't touch want me. to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm genetically and probably socially a little bit more angry than most people. My my parents kind of had a little bit of a little bit of a fighting argumentative relationship mm -hmm. and so i picked up some bad habits got it and so i generally try to stay away from anything in which i'm making any decision any reaction while i'm angry mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i i would rather walk and lock myself in a closet yeah. than actually physically hurt somebody that sounds very wise and so it's you know it like angry sex for me would be a bad idea <laughs> just Great. a really bad idea yeah so from the time that you met your wife, did you still see other people in your early 20s or were you guys like together together? We were together. We went like we went to the same college, mm -hmm. stayed in the same dorm. Wow. Like, we dated Did you get to pick that or was it just a sign? Um, 
it was kind of assigned, kind of picked. Okay. In a way, you could kind of work your way one direction or yeah. another. But somehow, you know, we ended up a little bit too close in a way because we went from, you know, our parents lived 15 minutes apart. So mm-hmm. we were 15 minutes apart to now being 15 seconds apart. Yeah. And uh, for young people in that environment, it's tough. It's a really hard thing to. Can you share about the parts that were tough? Because I don't think I had a similar experience when I was that age. I, I was say, like well, so desperately trying to have okay, sex and so, getting rejected. <laughs> oh, that's so opposite from everything I know, that happened I'm, to me. I'm I, opposite. In I had people ways. approaching me for it, and I was like, "Yes, please. Like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, where?" <laughs> but no, you you were that close, and so it felt like you moved in. Mm-hmm. And when you're going from sort of an independent person and in a relationship to now suddenly the relationship is becoming a lot more solidified Mm -hmm. and everything you do creates a reaction in the other person. Mm. And then on top of it, we're both surrounded by a whole bunch of other horny college students. At this very formative time when you're like growing and changing and trying to figure out who you are. um, So we broke up for a whole six hours it was was way too close for me at the mm. time and i didn't know what to do other than just kind of end it and see what it was like and what was, transpired in those six hours i felt miserable mm-hmm. i felt like i had made the worst mistake possibly mm-hmm. the worst mistake mm-hmm. and now i realize it was it would have been if you yeah. kept it that way i mean you know you you kind of only get one shot at your high school sweetheart. Yeah. And if it works out, it works out. And and that was something I really wanted to see through. And so, yeah, it's a challenge to live in the same dorm and have to navigate all of these hormones and emotions and everything going on during a really stressful and formative time. And somehow we made it. So... It's amazing. You know, not to take your sex stories podcast to a whole sappy level, but... I think it's very important that sex comes with context, and oftentimes there's a relational context that we miss. And mm-hmm. so I'm all about talking about the feelings surrounding sex, and yeah. I think that long-term relationship is very uh, entwined there. And it's... I, I will say we're kind of a rare breed of people that have been in a relationship as long as we have. Yeah. But we're still in our early 30s. Yeah. And it's, you get sort of a, a strange calm and wisdom, it feels like. I don't know if wisdom is No, right what word. does it feel like? Because I have no idea. Um, I just turned 30 and I think I might stay single. I don't yeah, know what's fine. happening. You know, it's fine. That's it's just fine. like, I'm like, oh, this isn't what I thought would happen. It just depends. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of people these days, you know, I am not monogamous and they're making that decision for themselves or I am monogamous and they're making that decision for themselves and they don't realize that who you are is going to be fluid. It is going to change and how you handle that and how you roll with it and how you work through life with your relationship and everything is in constant change. Not super rapidly, but it's all, you know, the tide is always moving. For us, we had... We had about 10 years in there where sex was just a thing we did. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, I can't, there was really nothing notable about it. But what was it like on a Brax task, like functional level during that time where it was not notable? Was it like, how often would you have it? It What positions would you do? Was it like, did you still have orgasms? Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) 
Because no, I, I think there's the, something really sweet about like routine sex. I fantasize oh, about yeah. it. That we well, okay, we perfected that for like ten years. What was it like? Um, it was about two to three times a week, maybe. Mornings, nights, um, when nights you're usually well rested or before okay. bed, okay. depending on states of inebriation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what was more likely? Were you more likely to have sex if you were slightly inebriated or not inebriated or really inebriated? I mean, we didn't miss many chances at drunk sex. That's always <laughs> just good times. Amazing. I had my first experience with high sex. At the same time, that's a whole different issue. <laughs> the first time I ever got drunk was also the first time I ever got high. Oh my gosh. And then I had sex <laughs> in a dorm room. Oh my gosh. So, what was that like? Oh, it was bewildering. Uh, it felt like I could close my eyes and still see everything. <laughs> it was, I don't know how to describe it. Um, Ooh, other I don't than, think I've asked anyone this. Okay, wait, yeah. yeah. No, say, finish your sentence. No, no, it was, I, I mean, it was... The whole time, I was slightly worried about telling my girlfriend that I was high. Uh-huh. She knew I was drunk. I was at a party. It was I had a shitty day, and so yeah. I went on a random night to go to a party, and yeah. someone busted out a vaporizer, and I was like, cool, I'll try that, too. Got really, really messed up, and then went back to the dorms and had a great time. What does an erection feel like when you're high? It kind of feels the same. Really? What about it's, like actual penetration? Like, into, like the do so, your okay. feelings change? From rubbing me, my fingers together. For me, I can kind of see what it feels like. I don't know. <gasps> it's a really weird. It's it's not synesthesia, nothing like that. But it's like if I were to close my eyes, you know, I'd have a better shot at reading Braille while I'm high. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I'm super sensitive and I can visualize it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So imagine that with sex, like being able to see the movement and what it all feels like and everything. It's wow. it, for me, anyway, I freaking love it. That's great. Yeah. It's a blast. Is um, it harder or easier for you to come or is there any difference? Oh, it's harder. It's harder. It's, me too. It's, it's a so bit harder. When I'm hot. Yeah. Oh, man. I, it doesn't help. Um, I'm on an SNRI for just little you know, depression issues, and that doesn't help either. Mm. So compounding, it can Mm -hmm. occasionally Mm -hmm. lead to slightly more frustrating time. Yeah. She seems to love it. I was going to say, it's a good experience along the way. We're not always outcome-oriented, but sometimes it's nice to have outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. it's You don't want to always not have outcomes. I I will say that, like, it sounds like a brag, but it's not. You can Um, brag here. It's okay. I'll cheer you on. She orgasms really easy, but It's it's never been quite an issue during the routine years there were times in which i'd say maybe 30 percent of the time she didn't have an orgasm did you guys talk about that or did Uh, was it just like a lack of moaning or a little bit it was just more i know i don't think we were we didn't really communicate about it Mm -hmm. then it was Mm -hmm. um, it's really strange discovering your sexual self with the same person and they're figuring it out themselves and if you don't know even what words to say and how to communicate you just don't that's why this podcast exists because with my first boyfriend i could not articulate anything yeah and i was just hanging out with a good friend who was the third person i ever slept with and my first two experiences were so limited and this has been my friend of 12 years now and I was talking about the podcast. He's like, I can't believe you're doing this. He's like, that is so different from the you I first met because I wasn't able to articulate anything. And even, so I had a, my first boyfriend age 22 to 24. My second boyfriend was 
25, off and on throughout my 25 to 26 for a year. And like, I broke with him so many times, four times, five times. He broke with me the fifth time. But with him, I wasn't better at communicating sexually. But what I did do was show him how to make me come with his hands because I was like, okay, I'm too whatever. I can't, like, I have a story in my head that I couldn't come uh, with penetration. And so I just showed him how to masturbate me, basically. Hmm. And then he would, like, when he would come, he would just, like, finish me. And that was just, like, our unspoken thing. But it wasn't like I was better at communicating. I was just, like, showed him what to do and then would, like, put his hand there. <laughs> you know, so that was my in lieu of communication. So I always just like to see what other people do. And I, I imagine if I were in a long-term relationship, I would have a really hard time giving myself permission to grow because I... That's how I am. Like, I feel like I have to be a certain way when other people are around and I grow easier when I'm by myself. And I don't know. One of the, one of the things we always heard and kind of, it's turned into one of my favorite compliments is that two of us, we're the same person when we're together and we're with friends and we're out and about. So we don't, there's nothing really to hide. That must feel so relieving. That's my projection. It can be. Um, What's your experience? Um, it's, if you don't have anything to hide, you don't have any reason to talk. If you don't have something to work through, you don't. And so if, if you get to your late 20s, early 30s, and you realize you've spent 12, 13 years together, and we've never really talked about what we really like and don't like. Yeah. And then you start exploring this world that you're like, okay, well, we've been together this long, and things are kind of getting a little... I mean, routine, but also, you know, you run out of novelty yeah. here and there. And you start, you know, looking deeper in the toy chest yeah. for things. And you you find, you know, you run out of of roads that you haven't traveled. You know? So have you started to travel new roads? Mm, a little bit. I okay. think it really resulted in a bit more of a, you know, forced communication because mm-hmm. it it got a little frustrating for me. Um, Can you share a little bit about how the communication came up and then like what it actually consisted of? Because I um, think it's so valuable for learning purposes. So uh, let's let's rewind back to the little comment in there about depression and SNRIs. I kind of can you say what SNRI means for someone who doesn't? Uh, know? I think it's selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, there's two. I think there's basically two main categories of antidepressants. There's SNRIs, and they're less common than the SSRIs. And those have a lot more sexual side effects for most people. Yeah. So, yeah, SSRIs, um, and that's the worst thing. It's like people with depression, they can really, really use some fun sex in their life, and it just robs them of that. Some people, like the number one reason people go off an antidepressant it's because of the sexual side effects. I had a friend who is in med school, and she was like, I can't do it anymore. I can't do this antidepressant because I need a sex life. I can't give that up. Yeah, She's like, and, I'm managing. And so, you know, uh, before I really kind of got a diagnosis, it had, it had run through my family, you know, a little bit here and there. So I was like, okay, eventually the skeleton's going to come out of the closet. Mm-hmm. And there was a weird, weird time in which, like, suddenly my libido went through the roof. And I couldn't figure out why. Like, it just went crazy. Yeah. I was curious about anything and everything sex. It was just kind of like a switch got flipped and I couldn't switch back off. Mm. 
just failed to realize that that was that was the onset of some depression happening. Whoa! Um, and that was that was kind of my coping mechanism, and so I distract myself from the things that were stressing me out and you know really causing issues with mm-hmm. chasing down anything and everything sex. And I started to have, you know talk with my wife about it. And go, was it? Can we just say what those things were like? Was it porn? Was it toys? Was it um, masturbation? Yes, all yeah. of the above. I mean, I really dove into podcasts and. Mm-hmm. Uh, just trying to get information and trying to really see what was out there. Cause I had never really thought much about the whole concept of sex positivity and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't need it. Yeah. I, and if even, you're not exposed to it yeah, if and if you're not dating and if you're not like, how would you know? If you're not pursuing it, you don't go looking for it. Yeah. And it's not like it's being broadcast and exactly. the sex that I got was just slightly better than abstinence only. Yeah. Definitely not anything to do with pleasure. So there was nothing to look for. And so at that point in time, when I suddenly started looking for it, I found a whole lot of things to talk about. And I asked my wife and she was just completely clueless with me. And I'm like, oh no, we haven't talked about this ever. Mm. We've never really discussed our likes and dislikes because we've just found them out. Yeah. You know? How did it feel to like suddenly find yourself in this position where you're talking about this for the first time after years? Uh, I mean, for us, it, it's a little scary when when you've got a marriage to, yes. to, to deal with. Not deal with in that way of like, oh my God, it's like a boat anchor. No, it's not. It's, it's more of, it's the third person in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you and them and your, your relationship. And yeah. you have to be careful with that because... It's permanent when you're married. Or Hopefully. at least that's what you Hopefully. said. That's yeah, what you signed up that's for. That's the goal. Yeah. And so you don't want to shake the boat too much, but you don't want to hide either. It's so, almost like sometimes there's a certain amount of shaking that must happen in order to avoid a full capsize without mm-hmm. warning. Yeah, you have to you have to reach out and say, This is I, I don't know why I'm so interested yeah. in this. And and we had a few little rough spots in there where I was really interested in it. She's like I'm so done talking about this. And it's just because we weren't communicating. Mm. We were just talking, you know, and it was mainly me. How would you describe the difference in this conversation between communication and talking? Um, so you can talk at somebody and if they just smile and nod, it counts as listening, yeah. but you're not communicating until it's a back and forth. Like, what do you think about this thing I just shared with yeah. you as opposed to, I think this. And someone just goes, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, okay. Or just shuts down. Yeah. It takes two, I think it takes two willing parties. It, it has to, to yeah, it's kind of a negotiation. It's mm-hmm. sort of a, this is where I'd like to go. Are you okay going with me? Yeah. And it doesn't always happen naturally. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to very uncomfortably open that conversation. Yeah. You know, I, I, re- I distinctly remember an early conversation where I was like, I, I want to improve our sex life. You know, this routine thing that we do is fine, but I, if we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, let's have the best sex life mm-hmm. that we can. Mm-hmm. And and I remember just sort of the, the early fear about that of like, what happens if you open Pandora's box and you ruin something? Yeah. So we had a conversation early on where I was like, look, I am satisfied with where we are right now. 
And that's not going to change. So if there's anything past this point that we get into that we need to pull back and pull the brakes, that's fine. This is all just extra and bonus. You're creating safety. Yeah. It's another clear frame that suggests safety. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like I was framing it that way, but I was just really concerned about, you know, I don't want, I don't want her to feel uncomfortable about anything that comes up and knowing that it's also just part of the deal. Like Mm -hmm. discomfort is a part of life Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're going to have to kind of go head on into it in order to get past it. Yeah. I do think there, there are certain moments in life that are where we have the opportunity to grow, where it's like, you're going to be uncomfortable either way. Do you want to be the familiar uncomfortable? Do you want to try a new uncomfortable and see if it gets you somewhere? Do, do you want to be driving or yeah. do you want to be in the passenger yes. seat? Either way, we're going on this trip. Yeah. I have friends that are uncomfortable when anybody else is driving the car. Mm. They could be the best driver ever. They just feel uncomfortable when somebody mm. else is driving. Sometimes I get that way. But, you know, it's it's the same sort of way. I of love like, being a passenger. You're, you're more of a passenger? I mean, I am usually the driver. Yeah. So I relish passengering today my friend was driving me around and we went to go pick up her son and i just got to look at the beautiful sky and yeah. look at the beautiful mountains and look at the beautiful clouds and it anyway yeah i mean and and so it, when we really or when i kind of steered our ship into this you know treacherous waters in a way you know there's a lot of there's a lot of marriages that die yeah trying to traverse this ocean of I want a better sex life. Yeah. You know, and you gotta, you gotta look at it when you're going head on into that of going, we can always come back to right here. Mm-hmm. We can always pull the plug on this right here, right now. And it was, it was kind of a moment because we had a, we had that talk. And then from that point on, you know, the brakes were off and it was like, what about this? What do you think about this kink? What do you think Can about you tell this us specifics? Kink? Like, what are some of the stuff you tried? And, uh, like, also, eventually, where are you now? Like, what um, did it lead to? How do you feel about everything? I mean, not to plug a website, but um, everybody should go look through mojoupgrade.com. I think it's mojoupgrade.com. It just, if not, we'll Google, Google it. it. It's a giant list you and your partner can take, and you check all of the boxes for just about every kink and everything. You say, I'd be into this or I'm not into this or I'd like, you know, if my partner was into this mm-hmm. and we just kind of went through the list. We're like, what about that? Did what? you go through it together or did you each do your list um, separately? We and then each compare? did it just to kind of see because yeah. we, you know, we're freaking almost a decade and a half into yeah. this and, and going, I don't even know what your answer is to this mm-hmm. list. You know, mm-hmm. well, I can tell you how your day went by how you say hello on the phone, but I can't tell you exactly which one of these boxes you're going to check yes yeah. for. And so that was kind of an eye-opening thing and a really fun, curious thing for me at the time because I was like, oh, my God, I'm gonna, we're, we're finally going to learn all this stuff and maybe we're going to find things we're both into and maybe we're not. Was there anything that surprised you about that initial kind of box checking? I mean, I, I figured she was a bit more reserved and then there were some things in there that I was like, really? You're into that? And I would share it, but it's her details to share. Can but, you share any of yours? I mean, I, I kind of check yes, or if my partner's into that, to just about everything. Is there anything you check no on? I'm sure there was. Like blood stuff? I'm never going to be play. into blood or Yeah, but, there, but that's why yeah. I ask, because, uh, that because when we say yes to everything, there are always so, no's. We just might not know yeah, what they are. The Mojo Upgrade list didn't, didn't include 
every okay. other thing. Not like the what I would call like sort of the the really fringe stuff. Mm-hmm. Those but, two things are not that fringe. No, <laughs> in, in the world of scared white couples totally, that are totally. that are trying to figure out what they yeah. who they are. You know, you don't really want a checkbox of blood play and go, what is that? I mean, I don't even know what it is. I still have a lot of question marks, but I've talked to a couple people recently. I went to my first ever kinky munch. Okay. Where there was a little meetup of kinksters and I'm so fucking awkward. I like walk up and it's in Grand Central Market and downtown. This one was in Grand Central Market in downtown Los Angeles and I'm, I lived near there. So I like walked there and I showed up and I was like, Hi. Oh, that this table's full. Oh, I guess I'll sit at this table. And there were only two people. So I sat down and I was like, hi, I'm Wyo. Like, what are you into? Is that the right question to ask? You don't have to tell me any. Like, I was so fucking awkward. And then the music was loud. And anyway, they, they were like, I could, I only stayed like 30 minutes because I like couldn't. And I told the bride, I'm so glad I set a clear frame because I was like, I don't know how long I can stay. This music is so loud. Like, there was like a DJ set up right next to oh, us no. in this market that's normally sleepy and quiet. Oh. Anyway, and one of the things they led with was, oh, yeah, we're into needle play. And they were not very forthcoming, but I wanted to so, I, so badly did I want to ask questions. They did not seem that, like, mm. enthused with my, with my questions. So yeah. I, and so I'm trying to develop people's skills and dial them back when I don't have express permission. To... Well, I mean, you, you do this podcast I thing do this all the po- time, well, so I, you're so used to just I'm asking I'm used to having questions. permission to ask. And I told them that, and they're like, yeah. no, no, you can ask us anything. But the way that they were answering, I'm like, I don't think they're answer matches their feelings mm-hmm. so i'm gonna not ask more questions gotcha. even though i know they understand explicit communication like it's like me trying to practice not being a robot like yeah. trying to use my feelings <laughs> anyway i'm so curious about blood play and needle play and like what people yeah. actually do with that yeah i mean it's it's something that's just never come up for us i don't think we're we're anywhere near that that level of stuff but seems very intense in, in terms of the general realm of of flavors we've kind of tried and done a lot mm-hmm. do you have any favorites let's just get into some stuff that you love like yeah. how do you like to be touched how do you like to experience like uh, what really turns you on just give us give us a highlights list a lot of things are are works in progress because you know we're both kind of slow developing people but i could spend hours eating her pussy mm. i could just can you give us details about like what you do uh, it's the slower, the better. Really, the slow buildup. Start completely on the outside of everything. Mm-hmm. Got a piece of advice of, of like, touch every single inch of your partner before you ever get to any of the erogenous zones. So everything hard. else. Yes. And just like turn on every single nerve, mm-hmm. every single touch. Yeah. Really get comfortable and then just spend time like really zoning into what your partner does like a lot of times i will just sort of explore around and find a spot that her breath just hitches a little bit and i go what was that then i'll go back and and touch that same spot again and see if that was you know was it ticklish or was it yeah was that something yeah. that actually i'm so you glad know. you said that because I, I feel like you have enough possible comfort with each other oh, yeah. That you can figure out the difference if you need to ask or you know each other. I mean, if you can tell by mm-hmm. the way you say a hello, how the day was, yeah. you know, you probably have some good familiarity. But I have, a, like, I'm a person that'll be like, 
when it's something hurts, but people like think they do. And then I have to be like, no, 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 that's painful. Like, <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of the reactions are kind of the same. A ticklish mm-hmm. reaction mm-hmm. and a very sharp, like pleasure reaction yeah. are exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. Tickling is essentially just overloading the nerves. Yeah. Kind of feels the same. But for me, I, I just take my time, get in there, really get acquainted and just go with whatever she's into that day. Amazing. Like I kind of really in tune with, what she does and how she reacts to everything. She's good about being vocal. Awesome. Like she's, she's awesome at receiving probably cause she's having a great time. That's great. <laughs> but, well, it sounds she, like she also has a partner she can be very yeah. comfortable with. And on the return end, it's, it's a little, it's developing. Mm-hmm. Blowjobs are, are work in progress just yeah. because up until a few years ago, it wasn't something we ever really worked on. Okay. Was did it? you still do them? It was just kind of yeah. like a little bit Yeah, I mean, bit it was a... occasionally here and there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really, I think we did more when we were in high school than we yeah. did in college. Yeah. But it was it was just something I wasn't as into at the time. And, you know, she wasn't. And now it's changed. Now she's more into it. And so things are getting different. What are your favorite ways to be touched? Like, like what does your penis feel like? What Are your balls sensitive? It's not super sensitive. Nothing's really all that super sensitive. I don't know if we're talking more uh, SNRI side effects, but I'm up for just about anything. Mm-hmm. It sort of depends on on the night okay. more than anything else. Like if it, if you could take switch to the maximum level in the whole you know spectrum of things, I'm still learning how to be a good receiver. Yeah. I'm still learning how to be more vocal about it. Um, cause you, you have to egg your partner on, you have to like really encourage them to yeah. do the things you want them to do. And so if you aren't great about, Oh, that felt good or, Oh, that didn't, you yeah. know, it's, it's a little bit, it's tricky to navigate when you haven't developed this language that in every other aspect of your life, you're fluent and beyond mm-hmm. fluent. Yeah. And practicing can take time. Like it's not necessarily a thing that you decide you want to do it and now suddenly i mean i myself am still very much struggling with sexual communication and it's something i've been really focused on for about three years yeah you know and with new partners that i'm exploring i'm like I, okay, okay and then i feel like a failure because i'm yeah. like i should be better at this <laughs> yeah i mean i would i would say the the best thing you can do is start with vulnerability and mm-hmm. just find out tell mm-hmm. i'm i'm working on this mm-hmm. but if you want to practice with that i'm game but I can't guarantee I'm going to be the best receiver in this mode. You know? That's not usually my, like, usually with new people lately, I have not had enough time to practice being a good receiver. Because yeah. they're like, burp, burp. I do have a new lover who's, who's, who's pretty great. Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> but, but our first time together, I was sort of like, I don't know, I don't know. But I was like, don't, don't spook, don't run away. Like, you're getting to know each other sexually. No. As you're practicing this communication, are there parts that feel easy and parts that feel harder, or does it all just feel kind of nebulous? Oh, man. Uh, it's it's hard when you're trying to work on technique, mm-hmm. and in the moment you want to communicate it, but you, you can't. Because, What's the can't feeling? Oh, the can't is like, I don't want it to feel like I'm coaching you. In a way, I don't want it to feel like I'm telling you you're not doing it right. Yeah. I don't want it to feel like I don't want you to lose confidence in yeah. this because we're just trying to figure it out. I will say for myself, and I want to preface this with I'm a kinky submissive. <laughs> 
Having someone clearly tell me what they like and having them give me adjustments gave me so much confidence. Mm -hmm. Because then I knew for a fact that whatever I was doing, they would tell me if they wanted something different. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel like I have permission to explore in ways I hadn't before. Because with my partners pre my ex-master, so over three years ago, I never touched them as much as I wanted to. I never gave them blowjobs for as long as I wanted to because I didn't know... And I ended up doing the same thing a lot because I'm like, oh, that one thing got a good reaction. So then I would just do the same thing and it got boring. And, mm -hmm. you know, rather than feeling like I had permission to explore because I was afraid of doing it wrong. And so in a weird way, getting guidelines or just having that framework makes me feel like I can do anything. Yeah. I mean, for me, when I'm when I'm really into giving, I I see it kind of as a performance in a mm -hmm. way. And I mean, I think that's kind of a, a more masculine kind of mindset of like we feel like we have to perform but i mean mm. it more in the sense of sit back and enjoy the show yes like i'm going to express myself through this act of giving that's beautiful and and it's it's a hard thing to to balance with because it takes a long time to get to that point yeah. um there's a lot of technique and a lot of things in the way but it seems like the the bulk of it is just letting yourself go. Your body knows what it wants to do. Your body knows the answer. Yeah. You just have to let it talk. And a lot of people just put too much on themselves. They're overthinking it. And it's like, just, just close your eyes and enjoy it. Yes. If you feel the urge to make a sound, make a sound. Yes. If you feel like saying something, say something. If that hurts, please say something. Please say something if, if it, it hurts. If it feels amazing. Yeah. If that feeling makes you want to yell, then do it. If it makes you want to be silent, you might want to do that too. Yeah. You know, keep it inside. Bottle it up until it explodes. I like to tell my partners ahead of time that I will oftentimes go into completely silent things right before I come. And then there can be a lot of screaming. And it's not the same every day. Mm -hmm. But like sometimes being completely silent and almost still while someone is like going crazy. And so sometimes I still have to whisper, like, keep going, <laughs> you know, because they'll be like, is she stopping? Yeah. And so I try to actually tell people that ahead of time because I want to make sure that they don't get confused by the lack of positive feedback, yeah. you know, and I don't want to feel pressured to perform for them because I used to do that and it was very boring and unsatisfying. I mean, for me, I think a lot of it is just a, Think about your breathing mm -hmm. a lot. If stay you, connected to your breath. If you stay connected to that breath, um, anything you feel is going to reflect in yeah. that breathing. And if your partner is really paying attention, they'll notice it. Yeah. You can't hide it. You literally can't. You could try. You can't. But you have to keep breathing. So many people just stop. Mm -hmm. And when they feel something, they just freeze up because they want to feel that exact yeah. spot as long yeah. as possible. And really, it's like you have to breathe. Otherwise, your body will... Start going, uh, yep. we need oxygen for more than just the sex thing we're doing. Totally. You know, I don't know. Just learning things as we go has been... What are some things that are on your bucket list to explore? Can you talk about that? I don't know. I, it, we've recently discovered uh, she has kind of an exhibitionist side. <gasps> and so we're looking into options for Whoa. that. That came out of nowhere. Wow. Um, Have you guys ever done things in public? Not really. Okay. I mean, when we were high schoolers, it was wherever we could park the car that yeah, had privacy. Yeah, yeah. 
um, and sometimes not the car. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Other places we definitely shouldn't have been. Like but... where? Oh boy, in a church. Uh, in the school where auditorium. Where in the church? And where in the school auditorium? And were there lots of people there? Nope. Oh. <laughs> no. I mean, obviously no one was around, but uh, dark corners, <laughs> back hallways, oh. things like that. Things that, like, we would have probably about 15 seconds warning yeah, yeah, yeah. if somebody were coming this direction. Oh my gosh. We knew all the parking lots that you could park in the back corner and nobody could sneak up on you yeah. without you noticing. Yeah. The school auditorium, I, I was kind of a theater kid and yeah. I was definitely like high up in the tech theater, you know, nice. hierarchy nice. at my school. So I had access to the auditorium because a lot of times they'd want me to go set lights for something that's coming up. You're so, like, yes. And I was I like, will oh, do this. Like that. Yep. And Very among other things. <laughs> hey, my mom always said, you know, the name of the game is cover your ass. Yeah. And be so don't be get responsible. Caught. Don't, don't get caught. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't, you know, don't, don't ruin it for anybody else. Yes. But what well, you can get away with. That's not hurting others. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. So it's not like you're like coming all over the curtain and making stains. Hopefully. We, we, we kind of halfway got uh, caught in the act in a teacher's office. In a teacher's office? Yes. <laughs> uh, that might be the, the biggest story. That might be the one that uh, I'm. Both... How did you kind of get caught? They didn't see everything. They saw the. Oh, yeah. No, they definitely like heard somebody shuffling around and moving around. They're like, oh, my gosh. And closed the door. <laughs> and then came back like did they ever talk later. about it with you? Or did uh, you run away? Did we they... just kind of left. <laughs> yeah. Did you know the teacher? Yes. Did you have class with that teacher? Uh-huh. <laughs> How early in the school year was this? <laughs> this was towards the end. <laughs> Thank God. It was awkward, but uh, oh, wow. we got past it. That's other fun places. I mean, those are some pretty those fun are pretty ones. Good. Uh, <laughs> there was one time we were at this kind of a uh, nature area. Mm. We were kind of just back in some woods. Totally didn't realize that uh, there was a jogging trail, like, about 20 feet away from us until oh my gosh. I was middle of receiving a blowjob when a different faculty member nearby the school goes jogging right past, did not see us. Thank I was God. like, oh my, oh my God. But yeah, after that, we kind of we stopped. We're like, okay, we're good. Stopped the outdoor wow. fooling around stuff. But I think that might be coming back. But we're not... We'll we'll figure that out as we go. Any other fantasies that want to be explored, or even I'm a big fan of fantasies that want to stay in fantasy. They don't oh, necessarily man. all need to be um, realized. Let's see. I mean, we've both discussed like going to a club and seeing what what's there. Yeah, we've talked about all kinds of different things. I don't know. I'm not really a big fantasy person. Yeah, so much. And she yeah, isn't really I didn't, either. We I kinda, didn't really have them before a couple kinda, years ago. Yeah. I had to have a person like kind of show me how to, because my ex-master was so good at creating fantasies. <laughs> then I started to have my own ones that were like not from him. And I, it was it was like a muscle. Yeah. And I'll say that that's, it's kind of a gift to be, to have somebody who can write and direct the play yes. at the same time. Totally. And really kind of go, here's your role. If you do this, I got everything else. It's a super fucking gift, and yeah. that's that's why I'm super duper struggling with our lack of being together. I did start talking to him again recently. I'm very uh, skeptical. Don't... I don't know. Here's the thing: uh... if it doesn't tank my life, if mm-hmm. it doesn't get in the way of my ability to be productive, 
And if I get to have amazing sex, then I get a boost. Yeah. You know? And I think I'm at a point now where I can make my own rules for myself. And I think my current rule is I've, I've broken up with him a number of times. So I'm just like, what's one more? Like, I'll set a clear set of boundaries. If you break them at all, out. We'll put you in timeout again because you got to play nice with your toys. And I'm not closing myself off from options. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's going back to what you said earlier about monogamy, non-monogamy. I hate those labels. Mm-hmm. I don't like labels, but I also do like labels because clarity and having a vocabulary, like a starting point, is a good thing, I think. It's useful. It's useful. It's limited. And, you know, I have a suspicion that if I found a partner that met all of my needs, that I would probably be monogamous because that seems very efficient and I love efficiency. <laughs> It is efficient. When I you, love efficiency. When, when half of the work is just handled by somebody else. Somebody you can count in, on. In exchange. So we just have kind of a general rule of like, if we have a chore that neither of us really like doing, nobody likes vacuuming the stairs, hmm. per se. But I've never vacuumed stairs. That sounds fun. Well, <laughs> it's not. It really isn't. Um, but I... I can pick the vacuum up with one hand and wield it around like a club. Yeah. And she would have to wrestle it up the stairs. Yeah. So I vacuum the stairs. Yeah. You know, so you take the easier half for you and yeah. they take the easier half for them, them and you get to both enjoy the benefits of not having to do it all. You know, you get this nice teamwork thing going on and how that applies to your sex life as well is like, hey, we both get to really enjoy this, but yeah. one person can screw it up for the other. So yeah. you have to, you have to kind of, you have to baby it in a way. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why so many people get frustrated if it's yes. not there. Yes. Because they're, they're locked out of it. Yeah. You know? And, and for me, when I feel locked out from a person, it's disconnection. And I think that's so painful and sad when I'm with a partner, especially if it's somebody that I love. I think it's sad at all because I'm super sensitive. <laughs> like the most sensitive little robot. <laughs> okay. Know. So, uh, I mean, it might be jumping the gun. You always yeah, you give, can ask me now. You, you always give it, <laughs> give the other person an opportunity to ask. Um, what what is the most emotionally connected sex you've had with and, my master? And describe it. Like, what about the emotional side of it turns you on more? With my master, I felt fully seen and accepted and worshipped never before have i felt so appreciated by another human being and this is what i'm addicted to like this is the habit that i can't kick this is why i continue to i'm oh by the way i'm always the one that reaches out he doesn't he that's that's as much as he can keep a boundary but as soon as i start like he is there i've never gotten such focused attention from another human being and then to have that focused on me sexually the the way that he looks at me even if I can't see him because I'm bent over like presenting myself or on the pole or I'm pleasuring him I get so turned on from him looking at me because I feel it makes me feel good and so specifically to answer your question, we we had so much in common. He is almost a quarter of a century older than me. There are a lot of things we don't 
have in common. There are a lot of problems. It was not in many ways a real relationship. And, yeah, how do I talk about the feelings? I felt like, I felt like there were times where we were fucking that I was like, this is spirituality. Like, this is transcendent. Like, this, I am, I felt connected to the world. And there was a specific time, I don't know if I've told this story. It's a very, I, do you mind if tell I tell it, a graphic totally story? Tell, yeah. Oh my God. This one time, it was this past January, and we had broken up in November. And it was our first time, uh, January was when we first saw each other after that breakup. And I was so hurt and tentative. But there was an opportunity to have him spend the night. And I was so looking forward to it. And we'd been exchanging emails since the breakup. Like, so we had had two months of email communication because I basically, for me, when a breakup happens, it's because there's needs of mine not being met. So I'm really clear about here's the type of communication I need. Here's how I need to be treated. Like, I I have a lot of clarity around my boundaries. So he'd been kind of just checking those boxes and showing me with his actions because I care about actions. I do not care about words. I mean, I only care about words if they match the actions. (laughs) Otherwise, I just think you're a liar. And uh, not a liar, but a a well-meaning person that cannot act upon the things they're saying. So he had the chance to spend the night. It was so hot. We had reconnected. And this was, I think, the time after that that we were seeing each other. And there was a moment where I was laying on my couch and he had his fingers inside me. Like he was like making me squirt, but also like I was like about to come, but it was like such a huge build. Like it had been such a huge build. And in that moment, I was just like, I need you in my mouth. And he was like kind of standing over me, but he was able to angle. So I was able to like, I don't know if I was just giving him a blowjob or if it was deep. I'd have to go back. I bet I wrote it in my journal because <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to journal about very sexy things. But it was like he was in my mouth, like throat fucking me as I don't know if it was deep throating or not, but just like as he was like squirting me and I had the craziest orgasm, but we were also like locked with eye contact. And then I just burst into tears and sobbed for like minutes at a mm-hmm. time. Like, I don't know how long it lasted. And he just held me. And I think I was like sobbing. That was so hot. <laughs> like, you know, and just like, <laughs> yeah. and like sharing the love because it is, a beautiful thing to feel so emotionally connected to another person and again ours came from sex like we didn't expect to like each other's personalities as much as we did and we happened to have a lot of interests in common and so that like it was just built upside down but it still got built is it just it's precariously balanced yeah you know it's not balanced well at all but um oh that's a great visual actually i'm imagining your relationship as a pyramid that's built from the bottom up and mine like started with this upside down triangle that was like small enough so it balanced easily but then as it got bigger kept top keeps toppling over Mm -hmm. it toppled over it's done but i'm still talking to him so yeah well i mean you you develop connections with people i mean you develop connections with friends just casual friends but when you when you really are vulnerable and just being naked in the room with somebody is already a certain level of vulnerable. For then, me, maybe a different metric. Uh, I mean, but for yes, you, but... that's like that's like <laughs> step one of fifty. It's it's uh, actually it's funny though because I was at a cabin with friends celebrating a birthday last weekend, and I was like, "Can I be naked?" And they were like, "No, wear your swimsuit in the hot tub." Don't, and I was like, oh, "They don't appreciate me. They don't 
I don't understand. <laughs> you know, it was the first time in a while that I've been around yeah. a group of friends from college that I'm not as close with. And they were like, no, put your swimsuit on. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, it's, it, I mean, we, we've we really developed this long-term, you know, kind of connection that keeps going. So yeah. your sex life, for us, just kind of keeps ebbing and flowing. You know, how good it was four or five times before affects how you are now. Mm. You know, I guess, ooh, that's a story. Wedding night sex. Ooh, yeah. I highly encourage, even for couples that have been already having sex before they ever got married, or if you haven't, cool, go go for you. But we actually, like, didn't do anything. We, like, totally cold turkeyed it for, like, a month leading up to the wedding. Oh, wow. And... I cannot recommend that month? More. a month. That's amazing. Of, yeah, it literally like nothing. Did no. you guys dirty talk at all, or like was um, there any? We weren't really teasing each other too That's much because we knew we'd both we'd both you know I think break the rules. Is so hot. Oh man, we didn't need it. <laughs> we yeah, were already yeah. like I mean, oh, after a month. Holy shit! Yeah, and it, just because I was like, hey, cool, you only get one wedding night. Yeah, let's do some wedding night <gasps> sex. And so it was like it felt like this really awesome. Like reconnection, That's amazing. and it was—it's it, definitely still in like my top That's five amazing. of all time. Because you're like this person, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, and let's start it with the most awesome, feverish night of sex that we can. Yeah. And it was a blast. Highly recommend it for anybody out there that's like, oh, I'm getting married next year. Yeah, just total dry spell for the last month. It's you'll you'll have a blast. <laughs> Are there any other sexual stories that need to be shared? What about butt stuff? Butt stuff? (laughs) We didn't talk about butt Butt stuff. Have you done any? Do you want to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I don't know. I don't take anything for granted. Let's go through butt stuff. Let's go through it. Let's go through the history of butt butt. stuff. (laughs) So, uh, college, I think probably that same, you know, freshman year of college, we're like, oh, let's try this. And, you know, like most people's stories, it wasn't all that enjoyable. I was like, I What kind a... of trying did you do? On them? On you? Uh, on them. Okay. Um, and uh, it was just, eh, didn't really, it wasn't yeah. really a great thing. We tried it again, probably, you know, once a year, once every other year. And when just, do you decide? Is it like, oh, it's a special occasion? Okay. okay. <laughs> it was, it had a different meaning then. Back then, it was like a thing you did to somebody. It was a lot oh, more. It really? was a lot more the same porn mentality of like guys like anal sex, like sticking in a girl's butt. All right, and and it wasn't really. It, it was very one sided, mm. and it was it felt that way for a long time. That's true. I have heard a lot of women talk about like letting him put it in. That yeah, yeah, it's not about her, yeah. and and that was the problem. Yeah. And so we kind of dabbled with it off and on. And then, you know, and then it, we tried it once and she's like, actually, I had a really good time. Yeah. And then next time after that, she had an orgasm. It could develop. I was like, <gasps> she well, had an orgasm. This is the thing. This is the thing. That's this the is thing. happening. It's happening. Not that orgasms are like the end all be all, but also it's so fun. And, and now she likes it almost more than I do. Right. And she's like, you know, yeah. in the in the middle, she'll ask for it. I'm yeah. like, what? Where is this? Totally. This I'm, was not the same thing. I love it. I mean, yeah. I my new lover, 
only fucks me in the ass sometimes. Yeah. And it's exciting because it means I'm like, oh, yay. Yeah. And we don't have extended sessions. Like with my ex-master, he always would visit all of my holes. It was a matter of when, what order, how, you know, like it, ugh, it was so delicious. But but we would it was have the script. <laughs> we yeah, he would write it he would write it with story arcs each time. But you know, it was two to seven hour sessions. So that's oh, wow. but we would only see each other every week or two. Yeah. Um, and it got less and less, you know, uh, the more that it got relationship be, the more I love you's kind of put their tendrils in and the pyramid couldn't hold yeah. that. The, the harder time we had. Yeah, it's and I've seen this through friends of mine they they find that if they start a relationship with a really strong sexual motivation as the relationship develops they kind of end up at odds with each other because mm. you you realize how you're how you're fucking them doesn't match how you feel mm. about them mm. you know if, if you start with i love this person and that makes me want to have sex with them yeah as opposed to i want to have sex with them and that makes me want to love them mm. um and I've seen relationships work both ways. I was going to say that I feel like there could be a mismatch. Oh, yeah. Going the other direction as I am an adult dating. And as I, I do think I'm a kinky submissive. Like, I don't think it's going to go away. Oh, yeah. I, there's some part of me that's like, oh, well, maybe it's a phase. But the more that I'm, like, having more vanilla sex again, I'm just like, oh, I don't. I don't think it's a phase. Because what it does for me is it turns off my anxiety brain completely. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not that I'm lazy. I'll do anything you want. I just like to know what you want. And my experience is vanilla guys that I sleep with because I haven't explored with women yet in this new phase because I don't know how to, I don't know how to nab them. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's difficult. <laughs> it seems hard. You know, and the the truth is, like, I, I barely have enough time to keep myself healthy. Like, I got a really bad sore throat right now and it hurts. Oh, no. So, but luckily you can barely tell. It just is painful. So poor me. But my point is, I worry about finding someone, being very in love with them, and then not having the sex parts match up because I don't want to teach someone how to dom me because I'm a kinky submissive. And uh, I mean, as I've grown up, I've I, I've always kind of been a switch, but mm. my more submissive side is starting to come out more and more. Mm. And she is not very dom at all oh. <laughs> like she just does not have that in her she's a bit more submissive. well that's the thing some people yeah. don't and that's and, fine and so we're you know we're discovering 16 years in that hey if, if we had this conversation early on you know we would have probably recognized some sort of incompatibility mm-hmm. and called it off and we wouldn't have gotten the entire experience of learning how to work with somebody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not a deal breaker anything less than you know like i said we were satisfied and we yeah. went further down that road yeah. you know anything at that satisfied point is just bonus points anything mm-hmm. past that so you know as we as i'm now figuring out i'm a bit more submissive and i'd like to look into that she doesn't quite have the side that matches that yet, yeah and that's okay what are you gonna do i don't know we're going to slowly figure it out probably okay, over the you next sound, 20 years. You sound more patient and open-minded. And I do love that you said that because I love the idea that it's not a rush, that there is time. And I love, as you're speaking, hearing the commitment that's just underlying. I mean, I signed up for a commitment before I fully understood it. I mm-hmm. will caution anybody that you kind of wait until 
at least your mid to late 20s. We got married a little bit earlier than that. Men's brains don't fully form until I believe they're late 20s. Women's are around 25. Yeah, so just sounds about pers- right. Person-wise, like that's when your yeah. synapses start to be like, nope, this is the way I am a little bit. Yeah. And it gets a I, lot I harder mean, to... That's, I, I tell people, I'm like, you don't know yourself till you're at least 25. Well, I'm still trying to figure well, me out. And you never do know yourself. I do think if I had been in a serious relationship when I was 25, like if if the boyfriend that I broke up with four times until he broke up with me the last time, and then two days later met his now wife, it happens. Good rebounds. For Good for him. Rebounds work that way. <laughs> he doesn't talk to me anymore. I do think if I had stayed with him like I wanted to, because I was a crying mess on the floor being like, no. <laughs> like, I was like, not. But here's the thing. I don't have ego about that. I'm like, I feel how I feel. You know, I don't think I would have changed in the ways that I have. And I don't think I would be as happy, certainly, because I was trying to be a person he wanted. I mean, for me, I... I look at it and I go, I signed up for a commitment that I'm not really willing to go back on. Yeah. And so things that happen, if it if it gets rocky, if things happen, we can always kind of just pull back and say, that's just the thing we don't do. It disrupted yeah. something I'm not I'm not willing to risk. I mean, it also sounds like you have a great partner, and I don't think I have experienced what it's like to have fully supportive, like committed partnership. And so I, I don't know. I'm I'm really thankful that I've never had to deal with dating apps. Yeah. Like the Oof. world, like, oh my God, dating in the era of social media at all, Weird. let alone apps Weird. specifically designed for people to hook up. I'm like, oh my God, I would, this would be, this would be a nightmare yeah. for me because I really, really find that I, I develop connections with people. It's a nightmare for, for us all. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you could go back in time and tell younger you a piece of sexual advice what age or ages would you pick what would you say oh um you know i'll i'll do something a little bit strange i would say go back to early college wes Mm -hmm. and say be more in tune like don't don't just fall into a routine Mm -hmm. that you won't pay attention to do something with this. This is your sexuality. You get, you know, this is a part of you that needs developing as yeah. much as you have to learn social skills. You have to learn driving skills. You have yeah. to learn, you know, all of these financial skills. What if sex ed was like driver's ed? Oh my gosh. Oh, that'd be hilarious. I just had a weird, hilarious image in my well, head. Like, could but... you imagine? Like, could you have like a teacher in the car with you? You know, there's yeah. drivers at the class when they yeah. show you all those terrible, scary things. And mm-hmm. I guess sex ed is like drivers that in that sense they show you the scary pictures but what if you then i just really wish i I don't know for me uh sex ed needs to start teaching teaching kids why they are feeling the way they are not just from a sense of your hormones are making you feel them to ask themselves the feeling questions you teach them to go when you feel this way, this is why, yeah. and this is where this goes, and this is where this leads. And sex can be something that brings two people together. It can also be something that tears people apart. It's very important, but you can't control it. Yeah. You have to just develop it, and you have to learn to work with it. You know, you learn how to walk. You learn how to ride a bike. You kind of have to learn how to have sex. Yeah. You have to learn how you have sex and what you like to do. And it, it's a process. It develops, and... Everybody's on their own separate path mm-hmm. and they're on and all these paths go different directions. Yeah. And, you know, the best relationships 
are the ones that the past kind of just run run towards each other. They split and they go apart, they cross, they but they go in the same direction. But they don't have to be the same path. Um, and there's a lot of people out there that will enjoy diverging paths. You know, they want somebody very different. Some people want a copy of themselves. <laughs> but I would say develop that. Yeah. You know, for you know, early college West, learn to figure out who you are and what you want earlier because you know all the nuts and bolts you know how it works you've done the things you've checked the boxes now figure out why you like them more than just what you like fuck yeah wes thank you so much for being (laughs) on the show thank you this has been fun 